0: I'm Elise Liffring.
1: And I'm George Sluffo.
0: And welcome to the third season of The Current Podcast.
1: The Current is your deep dive into the future of TV, media, and data-driven marketing, all explained in plain English.
0: We talk to the biggest names in digital marketing. And in this episode, we speak with Greg Hahn, co-founder and chief creative officer at Mischief.
1: Han launched the agency in 2020, or just two months after he was laid off from BBDO. The independent shop's agility and boldness has helped it win some major clients like Kraft, Molson Coors, Netflix, and Chipotle, and recently it nabbed AdAge's 2022 Agency of the Year.
0: Han shares the challenges of launching a new agency at the height of the pandemic, the benefits of taking risks with campaigns, and what he looks for when he hires new team members.
1: So you spent 14 years at BBDO and seven years as the agency's chief creative officer. You were then laid off in 2020 amid widespread cuts due to the pandemic. AdAge described the move as a shock to the industry, adding that it was one of the most high-profile blows to the creative community. That said, what was your immediate reaction? Can you share some of your initial thoughts when that happened?
2: Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know how it it felt in the industry, I can tell you how it felt to me. It was a surprise. But if you remember back in the times, there was such chaos happening in the early moments of the pandemic. Nobody knew what to expect. And it, it was just this atmosphere of uncertainty and fear. So when it happened, it was surprising. I was in shock, but also not completely taken by surprise. Just because the atmosphere was so chaotic and you know, I knew a bunch of people that had already been laid off and I knew that budgets were getting slashed. I didn't process it that it, you know this whole thing would come down to me. I was more looking out for how it affected the agency.
1: You are a much bigger man than I am because during the early days of the pandemic, I was just terrified and uh, I, was, I was a journalist then and I was just like, man, if I lose my job, I don't know what I'm gonna do. But in, in your case, within two months, you started Mischief. You partnered up with No Fixed Address, a Canadian-based agency and Earlier this year, you guys won agency of the year. What have things been like since then? You know, that's, that's a pretty wild move. Like, I find that fascinating, you know, just to, to go from being laid off and then two months later starting your own agency, and then
2: two years later winning agency of the year from a publication like that age. Yeah, the journey's been incredible. It's been a really fascinating experience. You know, as soon as I got laid off, I quickly went into what's next mode. I didn't spend a lot of time just dwelling on it because that would drive me nuts. But what I really started to see was this is an opportunity like no other because everybody was questioning everything. So it was, it was like a wide open playing field. And for me, the worst thing to do would be to go back to what we had before, because clearly there was something that wasn't working if the system was that fragile. So, you know, I felt like even leading up to the pandemic, things in advertising had gotten really, really difficult for big agencies so I wanted to be part of what was next. So I saw I saw the pandemic and this whole reset as an opportunity to try something new and invent the future rather than try to recreate the past. So, in so doing, I I, I did a lot of research about what are some interesting agency models. What what's happening in um, platforms like Facebook and and uh, Snap and all those kind of things. And I came across a model an agency called No Fixed Address, which seemed so flexible and so built for what's coming that I, I immediately contacted the founder of it and just started talking, not, a, not as a, a way to like, let's start something, more of a, a probing you know, informational interview. Of, what are you guys doing that seems to be different than everybody else? So, you know, it all started there. Cut to two years later. Yeah, we're agency of the year. That's, that's kind of mind blowing. But, uh, you know, if you surround yourself with the right kind of people in- everybody knows why they're there. Um, the results are endless.
1: So I have to ask, and super interesting. So you're at BBDO, a widely celebrated agency with, with a great history. Uh, you said that no fixed address, uh, it was built for what's coming. What does that mean? Like, can you give us some insight on that?
2: There's so many fixed expenses that come with running a big agency and that's overhead. That is, um, if you're a part of a holding company, you pay a lot of holding company fees and real estate. NoFX Address, you know, built into their name was a super flexible model. They do have an office, but they have people working from anywhere. They f- they hire people first, location second, and the way they build their clients is open to whatever works best for the relationship, not any set structure. And the most important thing to me was 70% of the revenue goes towards talent, where being from a large holding company, that's usually about 50 maybe tops. So we could hire the best people and have a really small but smart group of people solving problems that um, in the best way, not just based on structure, but based on who's really smart, who's really good for this, and how can we keep it lean and mean and um, focus on problems and agency structure.
0: Yeah, and you know, Greg, um, a lot of creatives dream about opening their own agency. Um, was that something you always like saw for yourself in the future? Did you dream about that at all?
2: I, I, I think you're right. Every creative does have, like, if I were to do it, I would do it like this. I usually didn't allow myself to think that way too much because there's so much of in running an agency that I don't understand and honestly couldn't um, imagine me doing and that's all the, the HR, the billing, the the scoping. There's just a whole business side of this that I don't have the skills for. So I always thought, yes, I, I could build my, um, my my magic wonderland creatively, but I, I don't know how that's going to be a successful business. So when Dave and I started talking, he is really good at all that other stuff. And he's been doing this for four years. And he knows he, he was running publicists, you know, Uh, he is running some big agencies in Canada. So he knows all that. And what he didn't have was a creative leader in, in the States. So it was like a perfect time for us to get together. And he said, what if I took care of all the stuff you didn't want to do? And you just built a place in your vision. And as a creative, I thought that sounded pretty good.
0: Definitely. Is there anything you miss about big agency life? Is there something that you don't miss?
2: it's really different I mean big agency life you you have resources and when you're running an agency you're kind of you're, you do keep one eye on like expenses and things like that but we've been pretty lucky that um, we've we've had a lot of you know success early that so that we were able to you know invest in the in in the agency without too much consternation so yeah there's a lot I, I miss um, the relationships I had with people at my old agency but advertising is such a small world that you see them and they move around and you're, you're, you're never too far from that. Uh, as far as what I like about th- this structure, so much. And I think it all comes down to freedom and the ability to say no to what you don't wanna do and chase the opportunities and really explore creatively what you feel is right. Uh,
1: I, I wanna ask this, I wanna circle back on on mischief really quickly. You guys have obviously soared very quickly, especially in like such a short time. How are you trying to manage all of that while still retaining your identity, which which I want to dive into in a little bit?
2: There's such related answers because it really does come down to one unifying theme, and that is knowing why you're there and what your purpose is. And for us, it's all in the name, mischief. We are there to create work that, that creates a stir. And how you manage that is you bring in clients that believe in that same ethos. So the kind of clients you attract are the ones that wanna do the work you wanna do. So if you're equally aligned and you're growing on that path, then you can maintain your specialness. Where agencies, I think, start to blend together and become commoditized is when they just start taking on any kind of client and doing any kind of work and they don't really stand for anything. That's been our guiding force and what kind of keeps me up at night is how do you remain pure to your vision and grow at the same time? And I think it can be done, it's just, you know, you have to you have to understand what a compromise does to your um, to your overall vision, and you know, there's always trade offs. But um, so far, we've managed to find like minded clients that want to do great things.
0: Some of your work has been. Um... If not like controversial, but like very exciting so far, I would say. Like, um, you've asked consumers to send nudes on behalf of Kraft Mac and Cheese. You prank kids with Caprice Suns full of water in a marijuana campaign for Jay-Z. Mischief highlighted how ridiculous it is to, you, that you can like marry your first cousin in more states than you can buy recreational weed. And like the list goes on from there. Um, how do you get brands which are often very risk adverse, obviously, to take these type of risks.
2: Well, there's a couple couple parts of that answer. One is we don't frame them as risks. To us, you know, it's it's written in our manifesto as like a safe space for dangerous ideas. And what we mean by that is like the riskiest idea is the one that nobody pays attention to. So first you have to get people's attention. But the other equally important part of that is we take them on a journey with us. It's not like we present this and say, here's what we think you ought to do. It's very strategic. So all these executions that you speak of, they're all based on a very sound strategy. And it's not like we're just winging it because we think it would be fun or cool. It's based on like a human insight and where the market's going. Um, Even something like said nudes, which sounds like it's just all based off of, you know, a common word play. But what that's really based off of was was this moment in culture where people were feeling extremely disconnected and also going to comfort food. So sort of the intersection of those two trends was connecting to other people through comfort food, which resulted in send nudes. So if you look at it that way, it's not a reckless, it's not a reckless thing. It's just a a slightly um, irrelevant thing.
1: You know, especially today, you know, brands need to earn attention by saying or doing something interesting, you know, versus just you know, it's it's like some brands, the way they show up, it's like they walk into a bar, they buy everyone a drink, and they expect to be the most interesting person in the room. When it's like, that's that's not going to be the case. Um, what do you look for? What does mischief uh, look for when you guys are like looking to work with a client? Because I'm, I'm sure you guys are in demand, but that's not exactly the agency's philosophy. You're not willing to work with just about anyone. So it's just like, what are you guys looking for when you're looking to work for a brand?
2: Well, first thing before we meet anybody is, is what's the brand currently doing? You know, are, are they a brand we want to be partners with? The second thing we look for is a really interesting problem to solve. And that gets us really excited. So, um, you know, once we d- dive in that, then there's usually quickly after we, you know, we get reached out, we'll have an in-person or in Zoom meeting. And that's where it really, you know, the make or break decision is, do we feel like we trust each other? Like we can get along? Like, do we like these people? Do they do feel like they respect us? So much of it is just the people who are approving the work that, you know, it doesn't matter what category it is. It's, it's really about the people who are going to say yes or no, or, you know, change, change the work. If you, if you feel like you could build a trusting relationship with somebody, you could accomplish a lot, you know, and surprise a lot of people just based on the chemistry.
1: You know, a lot of our listeners, they, they're in the agency world. Like, what do you look for when you're hiring someone? Like, what are some like talent indicators that you look for when you're trying to bring someone on your team?
2: Yeah, there's a few, there's a few things that really stand out, and, and as a creative, it's I you know we look at their work and do they have a unique point of view? Have they solved problems? Again, it's all about how do you solve problems? Have they solved problems in ways that make you go, I wish I'd thought of that? Or I, to me, a really great definition of a of a of a great idea is it's perfectly obvious, but only after somebody does it. So when you see that, you know, the, you realize there's a there's a spark there. There's a there's a a talent that can that can come and bring something to to the place. And the other thing is now that, you know, I'm head of an agency, I, I don't just hire creatives. I hire or look and talk to people from every department. And it's really just this effervescence, like, are they excited about the work? Are they the kind of people that come into a room and add energy rather than drain it? You know, do they understand the value of creativity? Because, you know, when you work at a, a creative shop or shop like Mischief that kind of pushes it, you have to be willing to... Uh, take, you know, put yourself out there and, 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 and take risks for the work and, and believe that it's going to work and, and fully support it. So we, we need to, you know, partner with people that understand the value of creativity and fully believe it and not just saying it.
0: Are there any like red flags that we look for in interviews that would totally turn you off on a person?
2: I think cynicism is, is a trait that I, I really try to avoid, especially in agency, because yeah. I always thought that being a creative agency or a creative in an agency is sort of the art of self-delusion with every brief, you have to believe this is going to be the time they're going to make something awesome. you got to, you can't bring baggage into it. And that's how we're able to get good stuff through traditionally, sometimes difficult clients is that we, we don't bring the baggage to it. We just come into it with fresh perspective and go, we have every reason to believe that this is going to be great. And it often is, Yeah. You know?
1: I'm so interested that you said that uh, just to circle back on, you know, when, when you started mischief with no fixed address uh, one of the things that you've previously said to the media was that uh, one of the things you were drawn to was uh, this, this quote on no fixed Address's website that said, quote, what would you do if you weren't afraid? You said that you were drawn to that. Why were you drawn to that?
2: That was the ethos that they, they started no fixed address with and it's, we've brought it over to mischief because that that is everything. I think fear had been driving the industry and in some some degrees it still does for a long time and it's it's become such a heavy ambient tone in in advertising that I I just thought found that expression so liberating. You know when you run by fear you end up making decisions based on what's not going to get you in trouble versus you know you're playing defense versus offense you're, you're not playing to win you're playing not to lose. And I just thought that advertising was too too focused on that. And when I saw that, it was just like, what would happen if we just did what we thought was right? And, you know, as I was at the point when I had when you've got nothing, you got nothing to lose. So let's build a place that's from ground up. Let's be a place that plays offense. What do you, what do you think like
1: is the most pressing thing for agencies, whether it's at like the holding company level or the indie level, the smaller ones, like what are some of the challenges? Like what's number one in all the challenges that the agency world's facing right now?
2: for agency internally agency as a um, as an industry not strictly talking about clients or the, the media i think the biggest problem is is how pitches are set up and i think that you know that that has increased during the pandemic because there's just so much business moving around and you know a lot of new companies starting so i think there needs to be more process or more structure around how do you engage with an agency as a business and how as a Agency not give your services away for free or engage in, you know, a really costly drawn out spec pitch. I just think there's a better way to to build a relationship. And that's kind of how we've gotten our most of our clients is we start as a project and that builds a relationship, which is a great way to test the water. And nine times out of ten, that's led to more work or agency of record work.
1: You know, can you just shed some light on the the agency pitch process, especially post-pandemic to the people who are unfamiliar. Like, what is that process, generally speaking, like for the agency world? And what do you think needs to change?
2: Well, traditionally, here's how it's always gone. And in in, in some respects, it hasn't changed that much. Is a client will come to maybe a consultancy or do it on their own and say, we are in search of a new agency. And this is, I'll I'll talk AOR, not project, because project is a whole different thing, which I think is a... Is, is working much better, but um, back to AOR work. So they'll put out a um, a request for proposal, which means they'll reach a you know handful of agencies. Sometimes that can be ten agencies, and they'll put out this long questionnaire to, for agencies to fill out. And it takes it takes you know days, sometimes weeks, to fill all this out and make sure that the answers are you know uh, are reading and correct, and all the data is there from that they narrow down and then they will go meet with agencies and this process takes you know i think kfc took over a year this is like six agencies burning a lot of time on this they will meet with the agencies and then they'll give them a oftentimes which is what i find most kind of frustrating is they'll give them a spec creative assignment and this is all based off of um you know one meeting and they'll ask them to solve basically a year's worth of communication, in every media, every touchpoint, every um, possible you know, activation, and, and you know do that in a, a period of a couple of weeks, and come back to them with a couple campaigns that do that. It, the amount of work that that requires of an agency is is monumental. Not to mention the emotional toll it takes on an agency. So I, I you know, I just think there's a better way to do that. I don't think spec creative is a great test of an agency. I think, I think it's far better to go. Do you like the work they've done in the past? Do you like the people? Do you, do you like strategically how they approach problems? Then you should engage them in a, in a partnership. I think spec creative is like a false way to work because we like to work very collaboratively. Like we don't want just one meeting for an hour and then we'll go solve your problems. We, we kind of claim that um, mischief is not a, a, tada agency where we come un- unveil the whole, you know, show it's a, a high agency where we bring you along little bits of um insight and pieces of work to to you know collaboratively come to the come to the final place so i i think the, the whole pitching process is, is somewhat artificial and not a great way to to choose you know as as evidenced by like so many clients changing agencies after a year or two
0: and you know you mentioned how project work in a lot of ways might be better can you explain why
2: why project work is better than AOR I think it's a better way to get to know clients and a better way to um, express a wide range of you know, brand work. It just it just allows you to be more nimble and you know you do one project, and you move to another project. So we're we're probably about seventies at sixty percent AOR, and then we'll always take on interesting projects and we'll leave room for that.
0: And that's it for The Current. Stay tuned, because next week we have our political-themed episode in which we talk to Mike Snyder, partner at Bully Pulpit Interactive, and Billy McBeef, digital director at American Crossroads, who will discuss political digital marketing from the right and left perspectives. What's so interesting about the political piece is really the intensity. It's zero-sum. You can buy Coke, you can buy Pepsi, you can only vote once, hopefully, for your candidate
1: of choice. The Current is produced by Wonder Media Network. Our theme is by Loving Caliber. The Trade Desk team includes Cassie Crosby, Yvonne Sikic,
2: Kat Vesey, Melinda Zurich, and Christine Gallagher. And remember, being a creative agency or creative in an agency is sort of the art of self-delusion. I'm George. And I'm Elise. And we'll see you next week.